hearts. We thank you, Lord God, that we'll be moved, we'll be touched, we'll be ministered unto. And we thank you. It's all because we love you and we know that you love us. And we have great expectancy this morning to grow in Jesus' name. Everybody agree with that? Say amen. amen. All right. So let me share this with you. If, you. if you look at Matthew chapter 13, that's pretty much where we're going to take our reference from, Matthew 13. And we'll see here in Matthew 13 that there's several parables that Jesus was speaking about. And in fact, there's like he uses in just this one chapter, like six different parables. And of course, uh, we find out about the kingdom of God or what the kingdom of God is. And so we'll be sharing a little bit of that with you. And the first parable, how many remember, if you turn there, you'll see that it's a parable that's about the farmer who's scattering seed. All right, this is kind of what we talked about last time. The second parable is his comparison of wheat and weeds. We're going to talk about that this morning. The parable of wheat and weeds. Well, a third parable in this chapter is the mustard seed. How many have ever read that before? Okay, so you understand that the fourth parable that we'll we'll eventually get to, well, hopefully we're going to get to a few of them, is the parable of the yeast. Fifth is the hidden treasure, and a pearl. The sixth parable is the fishing net. We find all that here. Now, where are we going to go today? Where are we going? What scriptures are we going to look at? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24, and we'll read down through 30, and then we'll pick up. We'll skip a few verses. And we'll actually get the meaning of, of this parable starting up in 36 through 43. So for those of you who are taking notes, I wanted you to make sure you have that. Now, let me begin this morning by saying this. What is a parable? What is a parable? Because we read parables all the time and try to get understanding. When I read it, sometimes it's like, well, what is this saying? How do I understand this? Well, a parable is simply this. It's placing side by side, say side by side. So if you place side by side, notice what's happening, with or comparing the earthly, everybody say earthly. So here's an earthly truth, but then what happens is it's expressed in a heavenly truth, and then it comes together to be understood. So it's side by side, earthly truth, heavenly truth, in comparison, so it can be understood. And that's why we're going to look this morning at what? Wheat and the tares, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to bless us. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? You see, because the title of our message is this, is, remember it says, if you're keeping notes, that the kingdom of heaven is like, well, I thought it'd be good to share with you what is the kingdom of heaven. Let me come down for just a moment, share this with you, that the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of glory. Now, this is so important to catch this, because if we're not studying and do our due diligence in understanding this, the kingdom of heaven is not the kingdom of glory. What I mean by the kingdom of glory is where we're going to spend eternity, those who are believers, and forever will be our home. And are you listening to me? All right. That's not when it's talking about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven, as we referred to even on last week, notice this, listen, has to do specifically with where the gospel is preached and accept it, takes root, and grows and flourishes. There's a difference, all right? Because you've heard it say the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and you have to understand that there is a difference in understanding the kingdom of glory, all right? It's the kingdom of glory is where Jesus Christ will rule and reign forever and will be with the Lord, all right? But you'll see in these parables when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, he gives us examples but the examples, which are so neat, tie into the gospel being preached. It ties into the word or examples of, of those, as far as, remember I said, what? Something side by side, something that is what? We consider to be natural, 
and spiritual to give us an example so we can come to an understood truth. Well, let's go on. First, here's understand this, that for us as believers, as we flourish, everybody say flourish. We should flourish. We should grow. You and I should flourish. We should grow, first of all, in our hearts. It's important to understand as we're dealing with these last days and we're talking about reach because that is our that is our theme. If you'll put that up there for us, reach is our focus. We are going to reach the lost. We are going to reach. Listen, our youth, we are going to reach our teenagers. We are going to reach our young adults. We are going to reach, listen, couples. We are going to reach our older adults. We have to understand why in doing this, the importance of it. But it starts first right here in our hearts. We have to get the word in our hearts. Are you with me? Now, once we get the word in our hearts, then what happens as the word of God is sown, then it's sown in community. Everybody say community. What that means is within the community of the company of believers, and as we go out and do things, guess what? We're getting to spread the word. We have an opportunity to touch people's hearts. We have an opportunity to touch their lives. But where does it start first? In us. In us. All right. So let's read. Go with me then. Let's look. And this is so fascinating. I love parables. All right. Now, Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Let's read this together. All right. And, and it's going to give us the explanation. So 13, 24 through 30 will give us the parable. But 13, 37 through, through 43 will give us the explanation. Let's begin. Here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer. Are you there? The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy, this is very important, you pay very close attention. His enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. Let's continue. The farmer's workers went to him and said, sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this. The farmer explained, exclaimed, should we pull out the weeds? They asked, no, he replied, you'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into a bundles and burn them and put the wheat into the barn. Wow, that's a lot. What is it saying? Let's talk a little bit more. In this parable of the wheat and the tares, Here's what's happening. We have seen a seed, and even in the, in the first parable, a seed being sown. It talked about a seed. Everybody say seed. We have here also, we see that we have a good man. Everybody say good. See, did you see that in there? A good man, and guess what? An evil man. This is the example. Remember I said truth, right? Natural truth. Both are doing what? Both have sown something. Both have sown what? Seed. Now, let's go on. But where do they sow it? In the same field. Think about it. Was it not in the same field? Remember, here's the farmer, and he has his field, right? And wheat has been sown, but also at night, what does it say? All of a sudden, someone came along and did what? Sowed also, see, this would be tares, and guess what? They grew up together, or they began to intertwine together, all right? And remember, here's the harvesters, the farmers, they're saying, the workers are saying, man, let's just pull it up. No, don't, don't do that. Because if you do that, what will happen to you hinder the wheat that has also been sown? Then what do we do? Do we just leave it? Ah, he said leave it. But notice this, that you have the same field and both 
the farmer or the good man and the evil man, they both sowed seeds. And guess what? They bear fruit. Everybody say fruit. Yeah, they did. Well, let's go on. Matthew chapter 9. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to, you can. And the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but my workers are few. What is he talking about? That there is a harvest time, listen, that we know is now and then is coming. But it's plentiful. There's plenty of harvest out there, but my workers are few. It says, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You see, what I'm focusing on, again, and will continue to, is talk about reach, reaching people. In fact, why are we here? Why is the body of Christ, as a company of believers, what is our purpose? Yes, we come to church, we get built up, we get established, and we get strong, we're healthy. But what about those who don't know the Lord? What about those who are lost? Man, it's our responsibility to what? To reach them. Amen. To reach. Everybody say reach. reach. All right. So it says, therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. And it's so funny because then we'll pray, Lord, send them out. Lord, send them out into the harvest. And then if we'll listen, the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit is saying, I'm sending you out into the harvest. Amen. Oh, we get real quiet. Me? What do you mean me? What am I going to do? Oh, you know people. How many of you know somebody besides yourself? Yeah, you know, people, you have friends and there's a harvest out there. Listen, that is ready. There are those that people have gone to and they've they've shared the word. They planted a seed and then others have watered that seed. And then guess what? As you do your part and you may say, man, they look at you. and So no, not today, but that's OK. You continue to pray and believe God for them, because here's what's going to happen, that God will get the increase. You see, but we have to do our part. A lot of times what happens is this because we can't, people say, well, I can't see the harvest. So because they can't see the harvest, they don't even sow. If a farmer did that and then it was time for the harvest, guess what? The farmer would have nothing. So we have to plant a seed. Everybody say plant a seed. All right. And so this is what Jesus, if you understand, when he talked about the harvest, and then that's when he commissioned the 12 to go out into the harvest. Now, let's look at what the parable tells us. This is fascinating, and I love it. And sometimes we can overlook this and not see the key here. All right? Go to verse 36. Verse 36. Notice this. It says, Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. And listen to what Jesus says. Jesus replied, the son of man is the farmer. Do you see that? Who plants the good seed. Then it goes on and says, the field is what? The world. Can I stop you right there? Because here's where a lot of times when we don't study the scriptures, here's what happens. Many have taught, they would say, and they take this passage, and they would say, man, that guess what? The field is the church. I would tell you the field is not the church. It doesn't say the field is a church. You say, what do you mean? Because as we continue to read, you'll see what I'm talking about. All right? And we have to understand Scripture as we study it. Then he goes on and says, and notice the good seed. Everybody say good. The good seed represents the people of the kingdom. Notice the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Uh-oh. To who? The devil. So think about this. Let's go back. Here's the field. Here is the farmer. He plants his seed, wheat. 
But then at night, here comes another and plants his seed, the tares. You see? And then now we get in the picture. But where, where, listen to this, where is the field? The field is what? The world. The field is not the church. Okay, stay with me. Now it goes on and says, the weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. Now the enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. Do you see that there? Mm, okay. The harvest is the end of the world. And the harvesters are the angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Wow. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. You see, we're living in a time and we have to understand the process here. We're living in a time where I think sometimes as believers, we understand that the Bible says that we should be, we should be separate and come out from among them. But I understand that as far as in our living, in the way we walk, in the way we talk, in the way we believe. But we're also instructed, though, to go into what? Come on, the world. Isn't that what the Great Commission is all about? So how can we be separate See, sometimes we can take this scripture and take it totally out of context. How can we be separate and say, oh, I'm just going to stay over here just with believers. I'm just going to stay over here and that's it. You know what I mean? I'm, only, I'm just going to come to church. And when I come to church, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to talk to the ungodly. I'm not going to talk to the sinner. Because after all, the Bible says for me to be separate and come out from among them. And we take that totally out of context. What he's saying here is, yes, we should be separate as far as our living, listen, and separate as far as, as how, we, how we conduct ourselves, but we also are supposed to go after the lost and win them, I like to say, at any cost. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. Here's the process. Listen with me if you're taking notes. The wheat and the tares are two plants that look very much alike, very much alike. What are you saying, Pastor? You understand that the enemy has followers like the Lord has followers. You have to understand this. What I'm simply saying is, is God has followers. The devil has followers too. And what we see here from this parable that we said that the man or the farmer, the Bible tells us, is the son of God or the son of man who actually is planted in this field but also the one who came at night, the Bible says is the evil one, it is the devil who also sold in his field. So do you know that there can be people side by side and sometimes even nowadays it's hard to determine the difference between if you're saved or not saved? Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm a believer. This person's not a believer. But you began to look. We began to watch. It's like, I can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. And so instead of just snatching them up and instead of just you know, just say, well, just forget it. Nope. What happens? The scripture says, no, nope, just let them continue to let it continue to grow. You see, because there come a time and the end time when there'll be a separation from those who are godly and those who are ungodly. And I'll tell you this. It's important for us to understand. We understand what side are we going to be on? Come on, somebody. We should be on the Lord's side. 
Now, here's why I want to kick over this. Like I said, this little sacred cow is sometimes this teaching that talks about, oh, but this parable is talking about the church. That's not what the parable says. It didn't say the church. It said what? The field. And you know what some people say? Yeah, that's because what it's talking about is believers and those who are in the church, man, and those who are not living right and those who are not doing this right. And that's what it's talking about. And because of, and because of this and because of that, when they, of course, when they all of a sudden, when they stand before the Lord and then we take it and we twist scripture, and we take it out of context. We have to stay within the meaning of what's happening here. Sure, we understand how we're supposed to live our life. Sure, we understand what we're supposed to do. Sure, we understand how we're supposed to be a witness. But here it's talking about a man, listen, and then the man, it reflects spiritual terms as the devil. How can you say then that those who are in the church, now listen, believers are serving the devil? Are you listening? Did you catch that? But see, some, some people will say that. They'll teach it like that. That's not what he's saying. Now, am I saying that the enemy don't, don't come to church? I didn't say that either. Even straight up in church. Okay? Do you get my point? Let's go on. The process. So notice this. This is, this is what's happening. The roots of these plants become so closely intertwined that there is extremely difficult to tell where one begins and the other ends. That's amazing to me. And I would think like you would say, well, why didn't the farmer just say, yeah, just go ahead and take the tares, the weeds, and just pull them right up? But no. You know what? Listen, we have a responsibility to still go out into the world. Now, listen, is everybody on your job saved? Not in mind. Is everybody, when you go to the grocery store, all, everybody born again? Not when I've gone. You see what I'm saying? Think about this. How about in your schools? Is everybody on your campuses, whether it's, you know, uh, junior high, high school, college campuses, is everyone saved and born again? No. So guess what? We have now in the very school, we have now on the jobs, those who are what? Believers and not believers, non-believers. What do we do? You see, we can't pull away and go, oh, no, no, we're supposed to be there to be that light. We're supposed to be there to be salty. We're supposed to be there to be that example so we can show them Christ. We're not to pull away and push away and go, hmm, I'm not going to have nothing to do with you because I'm a Christian. Yeah, but we may be, with that attitude, we may be a Christian, but we're not going to lead them to the Lord because they're going to look at us and say, I don't want to follow you. And if your Christ is like that, I don't want to have nothing to do with him. Wow. But aren't you glad he's not like that? Hallelujah. Man, I'm so glad. Well, let's talk about the effects. Because here's what happens. You see, when, when these tares and the wheats, they begin to grow up together. And the reason why the workers were saying, Master, farmer, you must pull them away out. Because here's what they're saying in the natural. Because it saps the nutrients right out of it, the wheat. Not only that, but it becomes vulnerable and parasites and, and, and the grain and it comes from them when, then, you know, when they reach the maturity that it's bitter. And when it's bitter, it, could cause, it can also cause dizziness when eaten. What does that mean? Think about it. The reason why they wanted, he was talking about the workers were saying separate them because you know if we don't separate them, man, they're going to act just like the world. Have you heard that before? So here's what we're going to do. All right, we're going to separate them. So we'll have on this side Christians and on this side those who are non-Christians, and just let them do what they want to do. That is not Bible. Listen, that is not Bible. What we have to do is realize we have a responsibility. We have a role to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel so that others will be one to the kingdom of God. Let's go on. 
the effects. So, so looking at the natural effects, he said, yeah, but what if they hang around them? What if they hang around them? And, and then all of a sudden, man, they backslide. What if they hang around them and they're not living like they're supposed to live and they influence them to do all these things that they're not supposed to be doing? But then I would say, but what if, if they hang around you and all of a sudden you influence them to do the right thing? What if they hang around you and all of a sudden you invite them to church? What if they hang around you and all of a sudden they come to you and say, will you pray for me? See, this should be what we're thinking about. Not just thinking a negative. I want mm, nothing to do with them. Because if we don't reach them, who will? Right. You know, a lot of times we have at our places of employment or different places, there's always that one person, or maybe there's a couple of people. They're like, oh, my gosh. Everybody's like, man, stay away from him. Stay away from her. She is a problem. You know what I'm talking about. But then who's reaching that person? If we stay away from them and have nothing to do with them, then who's going to share the gospel with that person? Wow. And that's not what the Bible teaches us. We have a responsibility. Yeah, but I can't stand them. Wow. But I think about my life. And I think about how I treated the Lord. I think about my life. And I think about the things that I've done. What if the Lord said to me, nah, just let Maurice go ahead and do his own thing. I can't stand him. He's not going to make heaven. I can't stand him. Wow. And what if, what if someone said that about you? you know, what if the Lord felt that way about you? Would you like that? Of course not. Because you say, Lord, I love you. Yeah, I messed up. Yes, I need help. Yes, I need direction in my life. But I know that you love me and you care about me. So, Lord, continue to work in my life. Continue to work in my heart. But we have to remember that the lost need help as well. We have to always remind ourselves that the ungodly need God themselves. That's what it's all about, reach. We're reaching. We've got to step out of our comfort zone. We just can't be comfortable and go, oh, nope, what's the solution then? Say, what's the solution? solution? Well, listen, what's going to happen is this. If we don't do our part, wow, and this is sad, but it's truth. If we believers don't do our part, what's going to happen is at harvest time, or at the end of the world, there's going to be a separation. And that separation is going to be between those who know God and those who don't. And those who know God will spend eternity with him. But those who don't know God will spend eternity, listen, in a hell, flames, listen, where it was not created for man, God's creation. They will spend eternity there lost. And I say, oh, man. And, and we have to take it personal. Say, own it. Own we it. have to take ownership and say, what if I don't reach them? Will they be the ones that will die lost? What if I don't talk to them? Will they be one of those who stand before the Lord? And he says, I never knew you. Wow. Well, well he, I'm just saying, man, think about this. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to carry, listen, to carry the cross. Man, we have a responsibility to do what's right. And so we understand this. Let's, let's recap and we'll be closing shortly. We said the farmer, understanding this parable, the farmer is who? Come on, let's make sure you're paying attention. Ooh. The farmer. That's right. Look back. Look, if you have to look back at it, I want you to look back. I want you to see this. I want you to get this, okay? We're recapping, okay? Look at, look, at the, look at here in 36, starting in 36 on. We said the farmer, as he talks about, 
The son of man is the farmer. Okay, all right. Now, and they're planting seed, right? Seed is being planted. Are you with me? Okay, what is the field? So we have the farmer. This is, this is understanding, explaining the parable. We have the farmer, the son of man. We have the field, which is the world. We also understand that there is an enemy. Who is the enemy? The devil. And he also has sown, you see, into this world. And there's followers of God, and there are followers of the devil. All right? So we understand that, okay? It's important to get this down in, inside your heart. I want you to get a hold of this truth. Now, let's finish up. I will tell you this, that if we are not showing as believers and as Christians how loving and how kind and how accepting we are of everybody, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their background, regardless of, like I said, you know, what side of the tracks they grew up on, regardless of how much money they have or, or how much money they don't have, it doesn't matter. We're supposed to, again, be that salt. We're supposed to be that light. Man, we're supposed to be able to, to go up to people and share the love of God because the love of God has been sown in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. And you say, how do I do this? Well, let me give you a few scriptures. Write these down. You probably already know them. How do I do this then? What's the roadmap? How many have ever heard of the Romans road? Sure. Write this down. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. I'll read these to you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Everybody say all. Not only says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Write this down. For the wages of sin, listen, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. But then we also find here that Isaiah says, in Isaiah 59, verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have, have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. You see, this is what I'm giving you is scriptures to understand that what people are going through and as we're reaching the loss, we have a better understanding that all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. But listen, I've been changed. You've been changed. They can be changed too. Praise God. Amen. Isn't that exciting? So there's only, there's only, I say it this way, there's only one, one way to bridge the gap. There's only one way to bring them to Christ. And that is simply this, is that we must preach we must teach we must share the gospel with them because it is christ and christ alone that'll get their hearts changed come on it is christ and christ alone that'll get them into heaven it is christ and christ alone that'll change their lives that'll change their lives wow and, and so it just here lately it's just way so much upon me that think about this in romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Wow. Yeah, man has problems, but I tell people, but God has solutions. Yeah, everything may not be right. Everything may go haywire. But man, when we can just reach up and reach out to God and say, Lord, help me, I need you.
things begin to